Hello and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. Sadly, there's no Adam yet again. He's slacking again. Mm-hmm. So it's just me and Freddie uh, for this one. It was a very weird, action-packed Tuscan Grand Prix, wasn't it, Freddie? Did you, was it a race that you enjoyed? Two red flags, safety car restart, chaos. A bit I, very strange. I, I found it quite... It was a tense race to watch, I thought. It was... It was um. It was quite scary at points. It was tense at points. It was um. It was exciting at points. Um, it had a lot going for it, and even when it sort of descended into a bit of a lull, it was still kind of an interesting lull. I thought personally, um, no one knew, no one knows how Magello is going to work strategically. We thought perhaps it could be a bit like Silverstone was when it was hot, um, mm. but then that was completely eaten into by ten laps of no racing. Um, yeah. in the first 10 then the, the fear there for me at least was that it would sort of lend itself to a bit more of a bog standard race but it was that was sort of put to bed by tyre wear and then strolls puncture and yeah. it became sort of a one in a million kind of unique race mm, it was it was very strange wasn't it I, I quite enjoyed it I, and, and people, you know, said, oh, well, there's too many red flags or whatever. If we didn't have those red flags, it would have just done safety car laps yeah. for ages. And we would have only had, like, 20 green flag laps. So well, I think it's just one of them things. There's, um, it's a track that's proved with um, the Formula 2 feature race particularly. It's proved quite difficult to recover cars on. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they're a little bit tentative to do more safety car restarts. At that circuit or in general? At that circuit. Not okay, in general. Sure. I think that's just after you have four cars get wiped out from one of them with no, no, um, no, it doesn't look like they're going to change the tactics because you can't paint a line on the track midway through the race. So mm-hmm. I'd say they probably, there's probably an element of that, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's also just because of the impact at Arabiata for Stroll for the second one. Yeah. Let's talk about those safety car restarts then at the start. It caused a red flag after mayhem with Carlos Sainz, Grosjean, uh, I can't remember who else was involved. Uh, Joe Manassi, Latifi, yeah. um, Magnussen was out. Um, yeah. And then everyone else was sort of picking their way through the, through the yeah. debris. So it all happened because Bottas left it so late and then the cars behind thought he went, but he didn't at all. Concertinaed and there was a big pile up. What was what was your take on it? Is there something need to be done, or is it just one of those things? Do you think? Um, well, the Sky co- coverage pointed out quite an interesting thing. Anthony Davidson did. He's a world endurance world champion from 2014, and he's nearly won Le Mans and stuff like that. And every sports car race is a uh, rolling start. Every Indy car race is a rolling start. And at a rolling start, they hold position and go side by side, and then go. Um, for a Formula One rolling start, it's always been in a safety car restart, that everyone's sort of jostling, everyone's trying to get, are they supposed to be sort of side by side, are they supposed to be in a line? There's no sort of strict regulation to it. And I think, I like that. I don't like a sort of strict regulation to a restart. It's a bit different, because um, they're already racing, technically, and this is a way to race, and, you know, it's, it's competition. But I kind of think, maybe there just sort of needs to be a little bit of a, it's, it, this is the kind of event that would hit home that don't be stupid on the restart. What seemed to happen, uh, the first shots seemed to make it look like, but Giovinazzi and Latifi had gone at the right time and Magnussen just had either, you know, slipped it up 
into third gear and just bogged down or something. And then they hit the back of him. But that wasn't the case. What was the case was out of the corner of one of their eyes, presumably Latifi, because he was the furthest up the grid, he had seen someone jostling for position, maybe Ocon or Kvyat, someone like that, maybe getting a spurt on to try and scare the guy in front or to try and have a little practice at a restart. And, or a burnout kind of thing. It's that kind of thing. See someone out the corner of your eye, then you floor it. Everyone else floors it. And they realize, oh, we're not supposed to floor it. And then they can't Tina and crash. And that's what's happened. Mm. Um, that's and no matter, no matter what you do for a safety car line, I think that, you know, drivers are going to be jostling with each other. So I think we had a few years ago, it was only recently that the safety car line has been the start-finish line, um, the lap line. And we saw it in Brazil last year. Cars were backing up. Verstappen was backing the grid up all the way to there, so we didn't get the toe. What I think is a better way to do it is to have a safety car line at the end of the lap. And sort of before turn 15 at this track, before Puccini, where the safety car lights actually went off, which is really late. It should be kind of around sort of... The yeah, that's, that's what... If they went off Hamilton earlier... Up on. Yeah. yeah, I think I'll just spot If the safety car lights went off two corners earlier, Bottas probably would have backed the field up more and went yeah, you're right. through so the hit. final corner or before the final corner, then it would have been okay. Mm. So he had to back them up through one corner and half a kilometre of straight. Um, so that's when, the, when it's on the straight, they're all going to try and get the toe and they're all going to want to get in the best position to sort of just get onto the accelerator much better, because much quicker, because by the end of the straight, that will pay dividends dramatically for them. And, you know, you can't blame them for that. And it was an entire racing incident, that crash. But it was a racing incident born out of the safety car regulations. And I think the best way to do it would be to just have the safety car line rule that we had a couple of years ago, frankly. The only reason that's yeah. gone is because if you remember the 2017 Baku race, the last time we had red flags before this year, um, Lewis Hamilton was doing restarts after the safety car. And he was going so early because he was able to that um, people, that the safety car was under attack from him. So yeah. they've done that so that the safety car can get out of the way before the racing. And that's perfectly fine. I think you just need to make sure that drivers are aware that they need to give a certain amount of time before they go, but that they can go earlier. It's a really difficult one to manage. But if there's anything that needs a knee-jerk reaction, it's a pile-up crash like that. I think it's a track-specific thing. We see it back here as well, the F2 in 20... I think it's the first time F2 went to Azerbaijan, Matu Sheets, yeah. they got a race ban because of safety car cars. exactly like mm. what happened today in the F1. I also think the green panels flashing when Bottas hadn't gone. I think that's a mistake from the FIA. They should only do the green flags and the green panels when Bottas actually goes through it after all. Because if you're way back in the pack and you see the green light, you know that's your cue to go out, I think. So I think, I think something can be done there. The best thing to do that is just to turn them off. Don't have them on yellow because it's not yellow. Because then people think, oh, maybe there's a crash up, up ahead. Yeah. Don't have them on flashing green saying go, go, go. Because yeah. like you say, that's going to be really distracting. And you shouldn't have the green flag lights being determined by um, Bottas. They should be just on for the lap. But they're not on that lap yet, perhaps. That kind of thing. The safety cars, that's a safety car lap. The next lap is a is a racing green lap. So the green lights are sort of, yes, it's green now, but if you can, I mean, presumably it's not complicated software to just put this up at turn two. Yeah, or just, I think for me, what, so, uh, yeah, for me, with the panels at the start, someone just needs to press a button when they see Bottas actually accelerate. Yeah. I mean, that's all they should do. Yeah. Because then the drivers in the mid-pack, well, uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see the green panels and then they 
no one's gone. But yeah, it's mm. it was a bizarre crash. It took out a lot of drivers. Yeah. In the end, only twelve cars finished. Uh, race of attrition, but it ended up with a Mercedes one two. It's again even after all that. Lewis Hamilton winning ninetieth win now, just one behind Michael Schumacher. Yeah. Although Bowser Bottas had his chances, didn't he, really? He had his chances, and it was a weekend that's been incredibly interesting from a, a Bottas study perspective. Mm. And Bottas <laughs> has been this is the first weekend I've gone into this year, really, apart from Austria, I think, or Silverson too. Where, he was on, where Bottas was on pole. The first time Hamilton's been on pole, where I've really thought, you know what, I think Bottas can take it to him. I think, I think Bottas has got a chance here. I think Hamilton might be a little bit rattled. I thought Bottas had, was going into this weekend, this whole, his whole mindset seemed aggressive, attacking. He wanted to put one up. He, really, he, he was a laughing stock in Monza, frankly. And he, he knew that. And he was clearly had beaten himself up about it in the exact right way to come into this weekend with, the, with fire in his belly, ready to take the fight, topping every practice session. I mean, he didn't have to do that, but he went for it straight away. He was trying to get under the skin of Lewis Hamilton. He wants to play these mind games. And he took the lead at the start when he needed to and played the game on the Soti Car restart as best as he could have done. And Bottas did the right thing there, actually, to be fair. We haven't mentioned that was the right thing for Bottas to do. Mm. And the way he did go was he went with a little bit of a dart across the track in front of Hamilton to scare him into Leclerc a bit. And that worked. Leclerc was then closer to Hamilton than Hamilton was to Bottas. Mm. Albeit everyone was focusing on the carnage behind, as they should do. But Bottas nailed that as perfect yeah. as he could do. He was let down by his restart at the second restart and then by his tyre wear. His tyre wear was atrocious on the medium tyres. Yeah. But forced him to have he was he was within, within a second of Hamilton within two seconds which is where he needed to be particularly if, if he wanted to say oh my tires are going let me pit which is what he did to be fair but he did that because he was having vibrations because he was dropping back by about seven or eight seconds by the time he pit that's not good frankly I think Mercedes mm. should have been a bit more onto his tire wear there he just seemed to yeah, hit I think after about he also had a he also had a tiny bit of traffic because Raikkonen had a slow stop. I think Raikkonen came out in between Hamilton and Bottas. I don't think the TV cameras picked it up okay. on the little track map. But like you said, dropping from two to eight seconds, what you know, right can be Raikkonen in the middle doesn't account for that. And then we saw this at one of the Silverstone races as well. Bottas pushing hard to stay within two seconds, but then his tyres just give in and. He doesn't have it. But then even after that, he had another chance mm. at uh, third, third. Third. Yeah, third start. But Third mm, restart. Yeah. Fourth start, if you count the safety car. Yes. <laughs> but then he wasn't able to take it, was he? No, unfortunately not. He bogged down on, on, um, on the restart. This was his opportunity because every time, at every start, there'd be in the first start, Hamilton lost it from pole. Um, second start, Bottas lost it from first place. This start, by process of elimination, was Bottas's to gain with Hamilton in P1. But then Bottas lost it there too. So you can't put it down to grip on the track. You just got to put it down to Hamilton got one bad start and then Bottas got two bad starts. Mm. That's, that's frankly it, unfortunately. And I think the mindset of Bottas this weekend has just, with the most attacking weekend he's had in his career against Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas. And Hamilton's fending off made it look easy. And that just says all you need to know about this championship and this Mercedes team this year. Hamilton mm. can come under attack from the most relentless Valtteri Bottas we've ever seen. 
and bat him away like he's a fly. He finished <laughs> five seconds at the end. He just said, come on, come on, why not? Give me a go. Yeah. Come and get me. Oh, look, within a second, bye, wins. And that's it. That's Lewis Hamilton for you. And he's just, it was not a calm race as a viewer, but for him, it was serene. Mm. Yeah, because he came under a lot of, under a lot of pressure, Hamilton. He had to deal with the restarts and new tracks. We don't know the, how big the tyre wear is and stuff like that. And he handled it perfectly, really. Just, yeah, you're right. talked loads about how good he is and he just proved it once again, I guess. Uh, yeah. So we talk about the man who got third place. So I think I, I might have predicted him before this weekend, I think. Yeah, in, that, in the last podcast. Alexander Albon got his first podium in Formula 1. Was it... <laughs> I, I'm going to try my best not to be too critical. But even though he got third, it didn't... Not for lack impress. of everyone else trying. It didn't impress me. That's the thing. It, like, it, it took a lot of circuit. It took a, a lot of things coming together for him to get that third. I think my point to that is when Red Bull kind of unleashed Albon, you could tell sort of midway, halfway, half distance kind of of sort of around lap 35, 40, yeah. around then, before about 10 laps before Stroll's incident. That was when Ricardo was in 30, having an undercut Stroll. Stroll's about two seconds back. Album was about two and a half seconds off Stroll. Album then was unleashed, really. They'd, they'd said to him, okay, now go. We think we trust the tyres, basically. They thought they had some information on the tyres, having done a pit stop and having been able to look over what had happened to Album's previous tyres. So he went, he floored it. He was forcing Stroll to go, forcing Stroll to push. Stroll was then closing on Ricardo. Album's pace dictated that end of the race really I think because Albon was pushing that and I think there's I think there's cause to um, an argument to say that Albon would have got that podium without the second red flag anyway and I think there's a strong case for that I think there's a strong case also for Stroll getting that I think there's more chance of Stroll or Albon having got that podium than Ricardo to me because um, mm. they were both really good this weekend until Stroll's crash I think in this race then they were both good apart from Albon's starts were bad but his racing and his race pace was what it needed to be. It's only because we didn't have a reference to Verstappen, though, isn't it? That's, that's the thing. I can't but feel if Verstappen was in this but race... the reference to Verstappen that you've said for this whole year is Albon needs to be there to pick it up. And he picked it up, and he was within DRS of Bottas at one point. Yeah, dude. At one point, for like half a second, was he? <laughs> yeah, the, the half a second he needed it, to be fair. <laughs> so that's where he was. he was. He was there to pick up where Verstappen couldn't get third, and he got third. It's a, it's a great, you know, it, I think he managed the end of the race really nicely to catch Ricardo and overtake him. Yeah. I just want to see him keep in the it, normal carry race, it with in the, yeah. In the normal race, though, I, I still don't have the confidence that he'll be even within half a minute of the leaders, to be honest. Well, that's just, that's just me. Okay. In, in normal, I, but, you know, he kept it clear when others made mistakes, when others uh, yeah. crumbled under the pressure and, you know, that's a great thing. So I just we'll see over the next few races how how well he does. It's a shame Adam's not here because it would have been interesting to see what, what he, he would have said. I'm sure he would have been celebrating this. <laughs> but uh yeah, he's an interesting one Albon. I, I I do think he'll keep his seat for the rest of the season as well and uh, yeah, I think, I think an talking about there's an interesting yeah. debate on that with is um kind of 
obviously the the obvious Gasly to Red Bull push has happened because Gasly's got his win. He's got his good result. Um, but the, the the statement that caught a few people's eye after this was Horner saying it wouldn't make sense to put Gasly back in Red Bull. And people were like, what? This, what? That doesn't make sense, Christian. But that does make sense, what Christian Horner said there. What he's saying is, so we dropped Gasly, but yet he's performed so well this year. He's now won a race. He's dominated there. Um, we've looked at Albon in comparison in the Red Bull seat to Gasly, and there's no difference there. So, so if you're Ooh. saying we should, put, I, don't, I don't want to get into that debate. I think there is a difference. If, if, if he said Horner's saying, if you're saying that Gasly and Albon, you know, if you're saying if we're saying Albon is basically the same as Gasly in that yeah. Red Bull seat, and if you're saying Gasly's doing well enough to be in this seat, then that means Albon's doing well enough to be in this seat. Does that make sense? How I'm phrasing uh, it? It makes sense. Yeah. How... What you're saying is, if Gasly was in the car, he wouldn't do any better than Albon. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Basically, yeah, that's where I think definitely. <laughs> So I think even, it's interesting to look at. I think, yeah, we, we don't need to go into this because we go into this no. every bloody day. <laughs> that, um, Gasly, obviously, has got fire at the moment. He's got an absolute drive at the moment. Unfortunately, he qualified awfully this weekend and he, yeah. unfortunately, meant he was mired in the yeah. mid-pack, which forced him out of the race in lap one. Um, yeah. Shame for him, you know, thud back to worth and a, and a half. But... Um, he had an ERS think, problem, I think, in core farm. He, he? he wasn't able to use all the electrical boost, I think. And no. that part of the problem is no. because there's not much braking at Mugello, so I think that's... There's not. The but there's a lot of overheating. Can't they use um, MGUHs a lot? Uh, you're asking the wrong person for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, yeah let's, let's move away from the album Gasly thing because yeah. I'm sure we've annoyed many people by talking about that too much. Unfortunately for Daniel Ricciardo, he just missed out because of Albon getting the podium. Cyril Abitbull will not be getting a tattoo yet because if Ricciardo does get on podium Abitbull will have to get a tattoo which will be weird and yeah. interesting. But yeah, it was a, nevertheless it was a fantastic performance in the Renault from, from Ricciardo. He was mm. he was on it all weekend again. He, he's really driving well and just missing out. Like I said. He was on song. He was driving fantastically. And I mean, I did sort of, when he came out for the second restart, I came out of the pits and said, let's finish what we started. I put my head in my hands and I thought, oh, he's ruined it now. He's tried to turn it into a movie and everyone knows when that happens, it doesn't happen. So it was a bit, mm, if that's, you know, that's obviously psychological superstition jokes, but it was, it was such a good drive from him, but it was the best he could do. And there was no point fight. He did the best restart he could do to split the Mercedes. There was no point fighting off Bottas. Um, he could have forced him out wide, but honestly, that would have been dirty. He could have done the same for Albon, but that would have been, that's not his style. And no. he, I think he kind of consigned mentally that, yeah, I've got a rebel behind me. I'm going to finish fourth. Mm. And... Uh, that's really sad for him because I think he deserved a po he deserves a podium this year because some of his drives have been spectacular. Yeah. This is tenth fourth place finish since he last got on the podium, so that would have been Monaco twenty eighteen. His tenth yeah. fourth place finish. Wow. That's How many of those incredible. have come this year then? Like four? Four, um, probably something three. like that. So there was yeah. there's this weekend there's Spa. There is um, Silverstone two. It might be three this year. I don't probably know. Probably three. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I think what Brendan will be happy with though is that coming into this weekend, I think the new for Adam thought they would do well. Turns out they did do well. But yeah. the fact that they did do well, they had a good car through these high mm. medium speed turns in the in the heat as well. Mm. You saw how well they went at Spa when it was a bit cooler. That is very encouraging for the rest of the season for mm. them. So yeah, I think Brendan will be quite happy with that going into the next few races. Uh, we have, who was fifth? I can't, was it Perez fifth? Fifth went to Perez. He nearly <laughs> he got Albon at the restart. And, um, he did. Yeah. He did get Albon at the restart. There we are. Albon got him back, didn't he? Yes, Albon nearly got taken by, um, I think, Charles Leclerc. And he got him back around the outside of turn three. Really nicely did Albon. And then immediately was on the back of Perez and got him back, made the move into, um, or, or, yeah, I think so. I think he made the move into turn one. And then um, Perez then came back My at him. My memory's gone. I'm thinking, because I remember, yeah, it was, it was literally half an hour ago. Um, Perez, <laughs> um, Perez came back at him, but Albon could, was um, far enough ahead at the braking zone to be able to dictate the line on exit and just sort of opened up the steering a bit where Perez couldn't keep with him and held him off in a way that, Ricardo wasn't able to do to him because he was closer in the braking zone. So Perez did have an opportunity there to seal fourth, I think, actually. Mm, um, t- yeah, go on. And yeah, and he, he drove very well this weekend. He he um he benefited when he needed to from Esteban Ocon spinning qualifying. And mm. that meant that he did he started where he theoretically should have done on pace with his one place grid penalty from his rather Clumsy. Irritating, clumsy. You're right. Practice <laughs> collision with Kimi Raikkonen, and uh, yeah, he, he did a good, he did a tidy job. I thought Racing Point had a great weekend, frankly, until Stroll's yeah. accident, which I thought yeah. was, he was driving one of his best races of the year. Absolutely, yeah. A puncture for Lance Stroll. It's just so unlucky because I can't help but I don't want to criticise Pirelli too much because I think they get too much criticism. But a puncture on what twenty lap. Tires uh, was he on hard, yeah. medium I, or hard tires? I think he was on hards. I can just double yeah. check for you now. And um, um, that is it's very unusual. No, he was on the rest of dead. Okay, yeah, it, it's not it's not a 12 lap old piece. mediums, but I don't know if he hits because he was well on the curbs when it went. So, he was, but the tires should really be able to go yeah. onto the curbs, you'd they think. Yeah, so. Mercedes had already had the message to stay off the curbs. And we heard from Valtteri Bottas's engineer that by their reckoning, he was at 0% front right um, tread. So that was, if they'd gone on probably by Mercedes reckoning, three or four more laps, I'd say, that would have been a a cut and blow situation. So whether he got Mm. a cut later on in the track, there was a lot of gravel on that track. There was. Um, Whether he just got a sharp bit of, a sharp cut in the tyre. and that just catapulted it out, then I don't know. But we'll need to wait for a, a press release from Pirelli later in the week, I think. But um, mm. it was such a shame for him, I think. Yeah. He was he was driving brilliantly. Yeah, today, I think he was much better than how he was at Monza. The only reason he got podium at Monza was because of the circumstances, whereas today he actually showed genuine pace and performance, which I thought was great. And he was uh, in a net P3 for the majority of the race. Um, he was yeah. undercut beautifully by Renault, actually. It was a good undercut. It was a powerful yeah. undercut here, and they, they nailed that. Um, and, but he was, he was 
he was reacting to the pressure from Albon well, and he was putting the pressure on Ricardo well, and he was fulfilling his job as the lead racing point, frankly. That's where he needs to be, and he did a great job there. And I think it's a, it's a shame that he had the accident. I've made that very clear. His accident did, did cause some quite, you know, Benny Hill, Marshall moments. Um, mm. On fire, wasn't it? The car it was on was fire. Pretty scary. Mm. They opened it up and some cameraman just went and had a look. <laughs> I was like, oh, look, there's the Mercedes engine for all to see <laughs> while the guy threw a fire extinguisher at him, which um, was quite an interesting development in the Grand Prix. A nice bit of entertainment while the red flag was on. Um, but yeah, I can wax lyrical about Stroll's performance, I think, all day. Yeah, hopefully Racing Point can get that car fixed for Sochi in two weeks and it's all sorted. Uh, Ferrari, 1,000th race. And, well, Charles Leclerc in qualifying was Beast. incredible. Absolutely unbelievable to get into fifth place. But then he just went backwards and Vettel. Uh, equally, he wasn't able to make an impact at all in the race. Was that what was expected, do you think? Yeah, the lap yeah. charts, looking back, will do him an injustice of Charles Leclerc running for 10 laps in third, with all of them <laughs> being under the safety car. Um, <laughs> they, Charles Leclerc had a brilliant weekend, I think, actually. Yeah. Finishing in eighth was, was actually pretty good. Um when you think about it, the pace of that Ferrari would have been around tenth or eleventh. They were they they kept out they kept their noses clean apart from Vettel when he got a wing change on lap one. But apart from that, they stayed out of trouble. They operated the race as usual. To be fair for Ferrari, they did a strategy that worked a bit really. It kept them where they needed to be. And for Charles Leclerc was a little bit strange on his, but he they reacted to what was needing to be done with his tyres and made sure that he didn't get the puncture and got both got a double points finish. And I think that's actually, to be, to be fair, kind of dreamy for them. Yeah, definitely. And Vettel managed to stay out of trouble as well because he was behind all the restart chaos. Most of us make his way around. Uh, I don't think Vettel was too bad compared to other weekends. He was still wasn't with Leclerc. Yeah. He was, he was all right, but Leclerc was just excellent yet again. Leclerc was uh, just a monster in qualifying. His... um. Fifth place is actually the most outdriven I think a car's been this year. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, he's he's done some brilliant wonders in that car I think this year. Um, Austria springs to mind as to Silverson, mm. and good on him. Yeah. I think it's double points. So finish. good, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Double points finishes. This is only the dream for Ferrari today. This is only his third season as well, which mm. you know not. It seems like he's been around for ages, but he's not. It was, yeah, it was a mature, measured drive. He didn't get flustered when he was being overtaken. He understood the performance of the car. Where a lot of drivers in that situation would be screaming out, saying, oh, my God, what's going on? That kind of thing. But he understands the performance of the car is where it is. He understood that he outperformed the car and that he wasn't going to hold that position. That's a, that's a lot of mental strength for a young man. Mm, absolutely. I wouldn't be like that. <laughs> I don't think I'll be weaving all over the track trying to keep people <laughs> behind me warming up the tyres <laughs> yeah uh, George Russell sadly missed out on points it was a bit like it's a bit like Germany like uh, Germany last year wasn't it mm. when there was a that was a crazy race and Russell just missed out then the same happened today yeah do you think 
I'm starting to think, especially given how well Latifi's been going, is Russell as good as some people suggest? Because his race pace <sighs> this year has been lacking slightly. It's not, it's not I think, special. I think his pace is good. Okay. I think his racecraft goes under the radar a little bit because he's at the back of the grid. Perhaps. Um, perhaps. And the only time it was really revealed was when he didn't get the point to Kibitza last year because he went wide and Kibitza didn't. And that was it. <laughs> and in Hockenheim 2019. So that enabled Kibitza to get Williams' only point of 2019. Good on him because he stayed out of trouble when Russell didn't. And if you look back, I think someone did a compilation of all of Russell's starts in 2019. And because for, for someone who's consistently out qualified his teammate, for someone who started 19th for pretty much every race in 2019, he, he started at the end of the first lap 20th more, more, more occasions than you'd want. But um, it's a shame because he had the pace for the points today. He was running in ninth for a lot of it. And because two cars were unlapped, they got points. Well, Raikkonen got points where he arguably should have got the points. But just simply because Raikkonen and, and Grosjean were allowed to unlap themselves, did he probably miss out on those points, actually? Um, and Raikkonen got a mega second restart, and Russell just didn't. Russell dropped it then, unfortunately. It was by his own mistake. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting, because I, I, coming into the season, I thought Russell would you know, destroy Latifi. And yes, we didn't see what Latifi was able to do today. I just want to talk a little bit about how Russell and Latifi, the battle was going on over the season. Is, guess, is, is yeah, yeah. Well, he's got, I think it's 30-0 over his last, like, whatever. It, do you think, if you was Mercedes, do go and look at pure drivers, like Pace, uh, ignoring the Bottas is a great number two and all that, would you put, Russell in the car? No. No. Okay. I think if we're going on pure pace, we just have to look at the fact that uh, Bottas um, was a, what, tenth off Hamilton in qualifying mm. last week as well. And the majority of the races this year, a couple of these had poor performances at, but uh, that's, that's what you get from Russell too. I think yeah. if you're up against Hamilton. Yeah, I, I'm not I mean, yet convinced by Russell. I'm not. I'm really not. Yeah, I'm. I think. Yeah, I think he needs. He's had he's his got a bit more time to do. I think he will develop it though. Like hmm. his mistake, he can put a lap together. He's not like he's like fluffing up laps. He's not oh, doing no. that. He's not. Um, when he's when he's head down, he's not fluffing that up either. His his. It, they showed a few laps at the end on board with George Russell and I think he, he was gunning for it to be honest oh yeah <laughs> and that that's what you want in a driver I don't, you can't I don't think it's hard to say about I don't think he's all that about a driver who's out qualified his teammates yeah yeah. Nil, 30 nil I think there's definitely even when he went it, off the track even when yeah, he went off Saturday. the track <laughs> yes you're right he ended up a 10th faster than he ended up 10th off Q2 despite um, turn 7 just being four wheels off, up and down on the... I was surprised he carried on going. That was crazy to keep... Well, he, he had his delta, down. didn't he, I guess. It <laughs> depends how far ahead he was in the other corner. He could have been seven tenths up or something. So, mm. I think... Yeah. I think it's very easy to 
criticise Latifi in this situation. I think Latifi's done a mega job. I think Russell has done yeah. a brilliant job as well. I think they've both done really well, Williams. The Williams pairing at the moment. And I think, yeah, I do think there is more to come from both of them. They're both really young right. guys in Formula 1. Yeah, I, I just think because you know, Russell is staying with Williams for next year, he's got to be a little bit careful he doesn't get forgotten about, I guess. You know, Mercedes mm. might choose to go with Verstappen or something in 2022 and Russell might end up not even get getting into Mercedes perhaps. I just I hope he hasn't been at the back for too long and he and he I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm just not sure about I think I think Russell I think Russell is yeah. canny enough to not let that happen. I think he is yeah. he knows how to put his foot in a door. He got that Williams drive by going finding it himself. He he basically he got on Toto Wolf's radar by a similar means. And I think if he can sense that he's losing a touch with Mercedes, he will get on the phone to Lawrence. Or get on the phone. <laughs> yeah, maybe, probably get on the phone. <laughs> get on the phone to um, uh, I don't know, uh, Zach Brown. I mean, I think that kind of thing. He would look for a seat actively, and, and I think mm. even at that situation, Williams would happily keep him every step of the way he's got a Formula 1 seat with Williams yeah absolutely uh, let's finish off I guess with Max Verstappen not able well he did start the race but he immediately had a problem this is yeah. the third power unit related problem in nine races so one yeah. third that to me is a bit, little bit shocking I guess from Honda and I think Max might start to become really frustrated soon if because he, he he I'm sure he would have had a chance of winning today given what happened and stuff. I I would be really annoyed if I was him. I think there's um a lot more to look into for that because his initial launch off the line was very good. And it's where we saw it with um the the most prominent example is Spain 2016 with Rosberg derating his uh, ERS mode was in a completely the wrong mode. So he was just recovering power rather than accelerating, which obviously led to the famous crash between Hamilton and Rosberg in Spain um, out of the lead. So I think I think from what I've seen is that that was a similar situation to Verstappen. Was well, it? I think he was in a different mode because he seemed to be like he was flashing red on the... He was derating, he was collecting, harvesting energy on the um, on the run down to turn one. And then once he got into turn one, he sort of bedded in and then was kind of, you know, was in the in the median of what everyone else was going up to turn two. And it was just... He said he would have had to retire right. anyway, though. Oh, has he? Okay. Yeah, and, and he said, more worryingly, he said it was, a, it was a similar problem to last week at Monza. Oh, uh, right. If, okay. they haven't solved a, if they haven't solved a problem... So they put in a new engine or not? well. Uh, not for this weekend, no. Okay, so I think maybe it's just a tough I think that's what they should do because yeah. it, it's, it's really quite poor for the entire three, three uh, power unit related problems. Uh, yeah, how do you think Max, oh, well, I guess this is hard to say, how, how, well, I'm going to ask it anyway, how do you think Max would have got on in the race if he was in it? A <laughs> <laughs> oh, clue, mate. Um, <laughs> He might have been been able to get on the tail end of Bottas for a bit of it. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think you would have genuinely been fighting for the win. So yeah, I think it, it, it would have. 
it would have been interesting to see. And I really hope we can come back to Mangello and do it again. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, so I think we both agree that we should stay on the calendar. How do you feel about with all the big crashes that we've had and stuff? Do you think there'll be changes made to the circuit if F1 does come back, or is that just the way it, it is? Well, if there are changes to the circuit, then that will ruin it. I agree. What we've <laughs> loved about this circuit is the the limit, is yeah. the circuit. And all the drivers have loved that. And the, the undulation, the fast corners, everything. is, And the fact that it's given us racing. People look at it and go, oh, no, we've only got one overtaking zone. And it, but the fast corners are working. The, the fast mm. driving is working. The drivers are exciting to watch on a single lap. And, yeah. I mean, we're going to Sochi next. I think that will give us such a stark reminder <laughs> of how lucky we've been to have this racetrack in Formula 1, yeah. even if it is for a cameo performance in a, in a really sadly COVID-affected 2020. We've locked in to Mugello, and it's a, it, the track is blissful. It's amazing. It's so beautiful. And I think for every massive crash you get on a safety car restart, you're going to get 100 that you're not going to get. So, yeah. Um, it's such a good track. It, it really yeah. is. For me, it's the best track in, in, in Italy, more so than Monza and Imola. Uh, I'm excited for Imola. This is maybe yeah. even more excited for Imola because I think this gives the fast kind of narrow Italian track the, um, the edge in, in, the, in Formula One where people were looking at it going, oh, the layout is not going to lend itself to racing. It'll be cool to watch. It'll be a good qualifying. But this week, here qualifying was the damp squib and the race was, was the, the frenetic activity of the yeah. weekend. And I think even if it would have been a normal race with 20 cars, I still think it would have been a pretty good race with the staff in there, more cars in the midfield and stuff. Mm. I think it would have been a great race. So, yeah, I, I, I do hope Formula 1 returns here next year and in the future. And 2022. This will be a great track in 2022. We saw in Formula yeah. 2, there was, there was the odd chance oh. of some moves <laughs> in different parts of the track when you've got a bit of tyre wear. We had um, Marino Sato this morning getting past Filippo Djokovic at turn, um, turn 10. Oh, oh 10. Turn 10. Yeah, we, we had, no, yeah. yeah, we had um, Armstrong and Schwartzman going for it at turn 4 and 5. And that kind of thing. You had different parts of the track were able to different parts of the moves. And if the if the 2022 regulations work, then this kind of track would pose some opportunities, some really sort of ballsy racing that you're not going to really have it somewhere else. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be exciting to see if we get to keep this play. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm tentative to say we will. I don't think we will. I think next year, with all possibility, would be as normal as the calendar as they can get, which we shouldn't turn our noses up at but this is good this is good yeah totally agree totally agree with that one alright then that's it for now Freddie's got to rush off somewhere so that's the podcast for this week me <laughs> me Freddie and hopefully Adam will be back in a few days to talk about all the news and all the things that have been going on there's a lot to talk about as usual so we will see you for that next time goodbye See you guys.